I was trying to remember that song. Man, I hadn't heard it in about a year. It's, uh, it's more of a contemporary Christian. I just remember the lyric says, it's something about sometimes I can't say as well with my soul. What about when I can't say? I just, I just remember that because, you know, sometimes, sometimes I don't know that I can say that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It is well with my soul. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. The soul may be secure, but it ain't always well with my soul. We go through stuff that, that gets my soul disturbed. Um, but I, I remember the part about it. I remember it's talking about, you know, what, what about when I can't say it is well with my soul? It's okay with God. God understands us. God, God, God is very long-suffering and very patient. And even when, when, we don't, when we don't understand and we, and we question God. Anybody ever question God? I'm not the only heathen in here, am I? I'm not the only one that ever goes through stuff that, that, or sees things that you don't understand, right? Um, and, and you question, you question. God's not questioning his authority. It's just questioning the, the situation and, Things that necessarily well your soul, but isn't God good? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's always there with us. He's always there for us. He's always there around us. He's always there beside us. So anyway, on Galatians chapter number one, if you want to turn back there in your Bible, we left off last week in verse number 15 and 16. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So when Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, all of his preconceived ideas about religion were washed away. All of, all of his teaching, all of his pharisaical rabbi teaching, everything, Jesus laid all that to rest. He took everything out. Paul truly became a new person, a new man. He didn't just go from Saul and later change his name to Paul. He became a new creature in Christ. All things passed away. Behold, all things became new. When Paul wrote his second letter to the church at Corinth and he talked about the old things passing away, he, he said in that letter, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Paul's not just making something up. He's not talking hearsay. Paul knows exactly what it means to have been one way, met Jesus, and left another way. Does anybody have that relationship? We know exactly what he's talking about. He is a new creature in Christ. So, so we, we know that, that salvation is available. All salvation is the same. We were all sinners. We were all lost. We are all separated from, from God by sin. And, and now we're all saved by grace and by grace alone. And so we're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. But all things in the flesh don't become new immediately. Some things take some time. Y'all with me? Some, 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 old, some, some old habits die hard. So, so we immediately change on the inside. We're filled with the Spirit. There's a new desire. You know, the, the day I got saved, 
my desire to stop doing some of the things I was doing was immediate. But my stopping doing some of the things took a while. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So, so we, we're filled with the Holy Spirit at, at the very moment that, that we're saved. Well, what Paul knows here, what he says is what I know, I know from my experience with Christ. And we looked at it last week. He said, I didn't have to go talk to anybody. I didn't have to go talk to Peter. I didn't have to go gather up with the apostles. I didn't have to go to, to some other school of learning. He said, I got everything I needed right there. I learned all I needed to know about salvation. I learned all I needed to know about grace. I learned all I needed to know about mercy because I met Jesus Christ, the resurrected on the other side of the tomb. I met Jesus Christ. And at that moment, in spite of the fact that I was on my way to Damascus, I was persecuting Christians. I had killed Christians. I had made orphans and widows by taking out husbands because they would not deny Jesus Christ. I was on my way to Damascus to, to persecute more Christians when I met the one that's persecuted. I didn't need anybody to teach me anything. I learned all I needed to know about mercy when I met Jesus. Now, a lot of us have been in church a long time, and we learn a lot of things about mercy and grace, and we learn a lot of things from the book, and, and we learn a lot of things from the teaching, and we learn a lot of things from fellowship and teaching and study together, and, and hopefully Wednesday nights and breaking down verses and studying. But we really learn the most of what we needed to know about mercy at the moment when we got saved. Because it was at that moment that no matter what we had done, everything was erased. Everything was washed away. You can't need to know much more about mercy than knowing that God could forgive me. So, so Paul says, I, I learned what I know about Jesus from Jesus himself. And, and what he knows is that salvation is available to all. Whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. So it, it, it's available to all and, and it's the same for all. Salvation is the gift of God. It, it, is, it, is, it is certainly the free gift. And the Bible tells us it's not of works, lest any man should boast. We know that it's Christ and in Christ alone, but all salvation is, is the result of, of grace. So Paul has, has grasped this, this great secret here of the Christian life. He's sharing that, that we are saved to show others the way. We, we, we are saved so that others can see Christ in us. We are saved so, so that the Holy Spirit can show himself through us to others. That, that he might manifest himself in our life. When, when we're saved, we are filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. Like, like the habits. Old habits may die off a little bit at a time. We, may, we, we certainly, hopefully, we're not what we used to be. But we're not what we're going to be, right? But at that moment... You got all the Holy Spirit you're going to get. At that moment, we were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We, we, we were filled. So we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Now, if we have God living in us, then everything about us should be a picture of God. Right? That's what I see in the mirror, right? Except for that little problem called flesh and struggles and all the things. But, but reality is, honestly, every, if we have the Holy Spirit of God in us and we surrender as Paul has, 
Paul is completely surrendered to the will of God. That's all he's doing is exactly what God is, is telling him to do. He's following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And if we truly are filled with the Holy Spirit and we truly have surrendered, then, then our life really should be a picture of, of Christ. I mean, where we go, what we do, the way we talk, how we treat people, all of those things should be a reflection of Christ. Our, our nature, our personality, our character, anything that is not like Christ is simply because we chose not to give that part of our life to the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's going to get quiet on Wednesday night. If, if it's not a reflection of Christ, then it's because we're not letting the Holy Spirit guide us. Amen? That's simple enough. I ain't throwing stones out there. We're all in the same boat right here together. I live in the same world you do. I don't, have to, I don't have to get information from you guys to find out how to mess up. I do that perfectly well by myself all day long. But, but anything that is not a picture of Christ is an area that is not surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Because if it's surrendered to the Holy Spirit, then, then the Spirit's going to guide it and, and we're going to be like Christ. So Paul, Paul said that God is looking to reveal his son in me that I might preach him. The word that, that Paul uses right here for reveal, it, it comes from a Greek word. It means to unveil so as to be seen visible by the eye. To unveil so as to be visible to the eye. You know, People do, I don't know, paintings, they do artwork, they do sculptures, they do things, and then they cover them, right? And there's going to be the great unveiling, and they have the big show and the time, and everybody comes. And then what the unveiling is, is to remove the cover so that everybody can see what's underneath. Paul says, that's what, that's what God did in us through Christ. He has removed the cover so that he might un unveil so that people might see himself in us. That, that is the ultimate goal of, of a Christian is to live our life Christ-like that people see Christ in us. The, the good news of the gospel is salvation. Anybody thankful for salvation? But that's not all there is. The, the good news of the gospel is that we have been saved from hell and promised a home in heaven. Anybody excited about that? that that's the good news of the gospel but that's not all. The good news of the gospel is that God himself chooses to dwell in us, to, to live in us, to, to make our life visible, he, that, that he might manifest himself to others through us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome that God would even want to live in this? Y'all help me. Bye, Bible. Are y'all not as filthy as I am? Isn't it awesome that God would want to take on the challenge to clean up this old dirty house? That, that God would want to take on the challenge to sweep out all these old dusty shelves and clean out all these dark closets and dark cabinets and dark corners. That God himself, holy and righteous and nothing but light, would, would be willing to move into this darkness and move into this junk and sweep it all out to make me like him. So that I might be a, a, a pure vessel. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. God is looking to, to make us look like Jesus to, to, to the visible eye of others by the way we live our lives. And Saul, Saul, the, the old Saul, Saul Pete preached legalism. But the new Saul, which became Paul, preaches mercy, preaches grace. 
they, there's still a lot of legalism alive and well, but I'll just leave that one alone. Verse number 17, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which are the, were the apostles before me. I went into Arabia and returned again to, to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. Of the other apostles, I saw none save James, the Lord's brother. Paul says, I conferred not with flesh and blood. I didn't go seek the advice or the approval from other people. That would have been the natural thing to do. That, that would have been the fleshly thing to do, to try to go talk to somebody about what happened and try to get their perspective on it and see, see what they think. That, that's the fleshly thing to do. You know, to, today, that, that's kind of the way it is. If somebody... If somebody's going to do something, a ministry or work or, or something in a church, or I, even out of just anything, even if they fully believe that God gave them something to do, people today don't just go do it. They got to get a text group going. You got to text so-and-so and brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and get their opinion and see what they think and, and kind of get the majority. Go, Listen, if God told you to do it, it don't make a flying two cents what nobody else thinks about it. If God told you to do it, it don't have to make sense. It don't have to look good. It don't have to look right. Matter of fact, if God told you to do it, it's probably going to be outside your comfort zone. It's probably not going to be something that you're able to do on your own. If you can do it by yourself, God don't want you doing it. God wants to do it through you. But when God gives us something to do, we don't need the approval or disapproval of men. When, when God gives us something to do, we're, we're just supposed to, to go do it. But in, in, this, in this world that, that we're in today, you know, we've got all the social media and the text messages and all that. But we just got to check with somebody first, right? We got to make sure somebody else is on board. Got to make sure that, that somebody else agrees with what we're going to do. Paul, Paul went for three years basically just to get some alone time with God. I didn't go talk to people. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't Snapchat. I didn't get on Facebook. I didn't pull out my phone and hit no group text to get nothing going. I, I, I needed some alone time. See, that, that's, what, that's what a lot of us are missing today. It's alone time. It, it, it's that time alone with God. Sometimes it, it, it's praying, but sometimes it is sit still and be quiet and give God a, a minute to get a, a word in edgewise. Sometimes you don't need to listen for the still small voice. You just need to read this book because he's already written what he wants to tell you. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to change anything. He's already written the letter. It's all here. Robin read a thing to me this week that said, hey, if, if the Apostle Paul was here and could see the Church of America today, we'd get a letter. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's Wednesday night. You know what I'm talking about. And I, and I was like, well, we already got 13 letters from Paul. We got, we got letters from James. We got a couple letters from Peter. We, we got plenty. We got seven letters to the seven churches from Jesus himself in Revelation. We got plenty of letters. We just ain't reading the ones we got. We're, we're just not being obedient to the letters that are already written. It's not that we don't have the letters. So we, we just need some alone time. We need to, to spend some time alone and listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. John Phillips has got a book. It's called The Commentary of the Old Testament, book by book. And he said, no one has ever had a victorious life as a believer who has neglected the daily quiet time. All backsliding, 
All defeat begins when time is no longer set apart each day to see what God has to say. See, we seek the company of everybody else. We spend so much time on our phone and texting that we don't have time to listen to God. We spend so much time trying to find out what everybody else thinks. We don't have time to just sit quietly alone and listen to what God thinks. We, we need to spend some time. If y'all live in the same world, or, or, I mean, I, I must be about three years old. You know, we talk about how children have a short attention span. Am I the only one when you're trying to pray, your attention span goes away? Somebody help me. I'll be sitting there deep in prayer, I thought, and I'll find myself way off over yonder in another county working on something. I'm like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I don't know how I got meandered away. You get back praying, and man, you pray and you pray for somebody, and you think of them, and you think, and before you know it, you don't wander off over. You don't know what I'm talking about? And, and now you done thought about, I need to text so and so. What happened to my prayer time? Are y'all with me? But if I don't text so and so now, I'll, I'll probably forget about it. Isn't it? No, that, that's, that, that's the world that we live in. We've become so connected to everything else that, that it, it's creating a disconnect from God. Paul said, hey, I went for three years, and, and I didn't take no cell phone with me. I didn't take anybody. I didn't seek opinions. I just sought out what God wanted me to do. You don't know why Paul is Paul, why God could use Paul to write 13 books of the New Testament, that why Paul could, could, could be used to write the letters to the New Testament church, because he knew what it meant. Who, who was the perfect example? What did Jesus always do? He went himself alone to pray. He sent the disciples out. He went himself alone to pray. Before every great thing, Jesus went himself alone to pray. Now, if the Son of God thought it was necessary to spend time alone with the Father God, then it seems like we ought to spend some time alone with God. That, that's a great, I, I believe, it's a great shortfalling in not just my life, I'm certainly in it, but I don't believe I'm by myself, that, that we need to spend more time alone with God. He says, then I went to Jerusalem to meet with Peter. Now, <clears throat> when Paul went to Jerusalem after three years and he went to, con to confer and, and talk with Peter and he met James, the Lord's brother, he didn't go there to learn anything about doctrine. His doctrine was already sound. He didn't go there to get a course in hermeneutics. He, he already had his theology down pat. He had spent time alone with God. He knew exactly uh, all about grace and mercy. He, he didn't go there to, to learn. He went there, I believe, he had an opportunity to talk with somebody that walked with Jesus. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? I mean, he knows that Peter and the other apostles, they walked and they saw Jesus. I mean, you think about the meeting of these two men. Peter's a fisherman, right? He, he, he's more like me. He's more like some of us. He's just a redneck. He knows how to catch a fish, but that, that, he's kind of limited on me. He, this ain't a smart guy. He's not an educated guy. Don't know that he even went to much school if they even had it back then outside of that. But we know Paul, Paul, Paul went to the school of higher learning. He went to the best schools there is. He's like top student of the school of rabbis under the teaching of Gamaliel. He, he, he's a smart cat. Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, he's the one that, that they expected to be the greatest. That's why he was out persecuting. He was the, he was the Pharisee's main man. Very intelligent, very well versed in the scriptures. I mean, he knows them forward and backward through and through. And here's, here's Peter, a fisherman. 
These two guys had absolutely nothing in common until Jesus. Now they're brothers in Christ. You don't need anything else in common when you got Jesus in common. You're in the same family and purchased by the same blood. You got something to talk about now. And the best thing you got to talk about, Peter ain't going to teach Paul how to fish. And Paul ain't going to teach Peter how to read Hebrew. They're going to talk about Jesus. We, we, we ought to get something from some of that. Can you imagine just when, when they start getting to, to talking? I figure Paul may have gone there maybe to, to tell his own story personally. I know Peter and the others have heard about his story, but, but you know, it, it's not like hearing it from somebody else is the same thing as hearing it from the man himself. So I would feel like Paul probably went there to, to share some things about his story. But, but can you imagine the conversation between the two when, when Paul says, man, tell, tell me about Jesus. Tell me what it was like. To walk with Jesus. He's like, man, you should have been there. That day we was at a wedding, came up Galilee, they ran out of wine. Jesus had them fill pots with water and he turned the water into wine, man. I, I'm, I'm right, in, right in front of everybody. Man, you ought to been, man, one night, one night, Jesus, Jesus sent us out on a boat. And man, he'd already fed the multitudes of 5,000 people. It's 5,000 men plus women and children there. And, and, and we, we had a little bit of nothing, man. We had five little biscuits, little barley loaves. Some little boy had a lunch, had a couple little sardines in it. And, and Jesus took it and blessed it and break it. And all 5,000 men and all the women and children ate. And we took up 12 baskets of fragments, man. Jesus puts us on a boat. We go out. We get caught in the middle of a storm. It's dark. It's nighttime. We're thinking we're about to die. And Jesus came walking on the water. Walked out in the middle of the ocean, and we're scared to death. He gets in, he spoke, he spoke to the sea, and the wind and the sea obeyed. Everything got calm. Next thing we know, we're at Capernaum on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Man, you ought to have seen some of the stuff. Man, I mean, just, just to be with him and, and, and be around. Can, can you imagine? He, he probably told him about the lepers and how he, because that was a big deal in the day. Nobody cleansed leprosy. He probably told him about how Jesus and cleansed the lepers and Man, one day there was 10 of them, and he just sent them to go show the priest. And while they was going on their way, all of them got healed, but only one of them come back to say thank you. We, that, 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 that time we were out at a pool of Bethesda, and the lame man was there. He, he made the lame man walk, made the blind to see, made the deaf to hear. Man, you really want to talk about one. You should have seen the look on people's faces that day when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. And the joker come walking out in his grave clothes, been dead for four days. Don't you know he had some stories to tell? I, I might have had some pretty good conversation. You know why? Because they were talking about Jesus. See, that's something we need to do a little bit more of. We're always talking about everything else, but the most important thing we got in our life is Jesus. The most important thing that's ever happened to me in my life is Jesus. The, the greatest person that has done anything, that's done the most for me, is about Jesus. The, the person that we spend the least amount of time talking about, for the most part, is the one that we ought to spend the most time talking about. So Peter, Peter's talking about, him. I, 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 I just, I can't, I can't, uh, I, I wonder what, how, how Peter tried to tell it when he said, man, there was this one time we was all there and Jesus called me and James and John and he said, y'all, y'all come on. Y'all come on, go with me. He said, man, we, he carried us up on this high mountain. 
And we got up there and, and, and his face became as a light, man. He, he was transfigured, glowing. And Moses and Elias was there. And he was talking to him. And I asked him, I said, Lord, you know, don't, don't, don't we need to, to, to build three altars here? And all of a sudden, man, out of nowhere, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. Whom I am well pleased. I mean, can you imagine the stories? Can, can you imagine with these two talking? You're, you're talking honestly about the two greatest apostles I, I believe that ever lived. I, I know Peter's hard-headed type A personality, but I can relate to him because I'm a lot like him. I can't keep my foot out of my mouth. That, that seemed to be Peter's problem. He always had something. Even on the Mount of Transfiguration, he has to throw his two cents worth in, right? I mean, I mean you got God and two of the great prophets there with the Son of God, and Peter thinks he's got to say something. So, so I, I, I'm more kind of like that. But then, then you've got, you've got Paul. It, it, it'd, be, it'd be a good argument if two people wanted to just get something started as to which one of those two would have been the greatest apostle. But, but I'm, I'm sure they had this great time of fellowship because all they did was talk about Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't think they talked about the problems of the world. I don't think they talked about the fact that we got a bunch of nutcases in the White House that don't know how to run a country and they're running this and straight in the dirt faster than we can get out of the house. And, and what's worse than that, we don't have anybody to vote for coming up. I, I, I don't think they, they, were, they were too worried about the financial situation or the, the $30 trillion debt or whatever. I, I, don't, I don't think they were talking about worldly stuff. I think these two great men of God got together and, and they focused on, on Jesus. I'm just saying, you, you, you want to... You want to make your day better? Turn off that garbage news. They ain't going to tell you nothing good anyway. Call somebody up and talk about Jesus. Call somebody that's down in the dumps and don't try to listen and, and they just let them plead on you. Tell them something about Jesus. Tell them about done and, and get the conversation talk about Jesus. You want to spark your day? Talk about the light. But because when the light comes on, darkness has got to get out. You can't turn the light on and darkness stay in. No matter how dark something is, when the light comes on, darkness has got to get so, so you find somebody that's in a dark place, talk to them about the light, and darkness will start breaking up. I'm just saying, I think we need to spend a little bit more time talking about the one that made a difference in our life. I don't have anything better to talk about than what Jesus Christ did for me. Well, verse number 20. Verse number 20. It says, the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I, I lie not. Paul seems to be having trouble convincing people of his sincerity. Paul. All, all he's trying to tell people is the difference that Jesus made in my life. Amen? That, 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 that's all he's trying to tell people. This is the difference that Jesus made in my life. And he can do the same thing in yours. And, and, and he, he says, the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Afterwards, I, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. So you remember last week we talked about it seems like Paul is probably 
Well, we know he is. He's under attack from the Jews. They're always following him around. The, the Pharisees are always following him around. He's always under attack. They're always stirring up lies. It's the same as you got people in your life. It don't matter what you do. Somebody's always trying to make it bad, make it look bad. They're always stirring stuff up. So he's got the Jews around trying to, to stir all this stuff up. And we talked about how it seemed as though maybe, maybe they had questioned his consistency in the scripture. And we spent some time there last week again. But here it seems like maybe his, his sincerity is being questioned. He says, before God, I lie not. That, that is a formal oath. John Gill, in, in his commentary, he says, uh, uh, talking about behold before God I lie not. He said, it is a swearing by the God of truth, calling him to be a witness of the things that he had written. Whence it is manifest that, that an oath upon proper occasions where there's a necessity for it. Albert Barnes says, this is an oath or a solemn appeal to God. Um, then, then he refers over to, to Romans chapter nine. He says, the design of this oath here is to prevent all suspicion of falsehood. The design of the oath is to get rid of all suspicion of falsehood. It's not uncommon for, for Paul to give something to solidify what he's saying or to, to justify what he's there. You know, Romans chapter 8, he asked the question, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he, and he, and he listed, y'all know the wrong, they listed all the things that are there and, you know, depth nor height. Nor, but but, but in, in chapter 9, he starts out by saying in verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing, bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So here in our text, Paul says, God is my witness that everything I say is the truth. This gospel was given to me by divine revelation. It comes from no man. It came from Christ himself. And I spent three years alone with the Holy Spirit. And now it is very necessary that you at the Church of Galatia read this letter and hear and believe what it says. It's the same thing to the church of LaGrange, Georgia. You need to know that what I'm speaking is the truth and you need to hear it. And then, so after Paul's brief visit there to Jerusalem, he says that he heads down to, to Caesarea. That'd be a, a Roman seaport. And, and so he bought a ticket and he went to Tarsus. He went back to his homeland and he stayed there until Barnabas came looking for him because he needed some help uh, over at the church there at Antioch. And he came and got him and, and recruited him out. But here in the conclusion of this part of the letter, in verse 22 through 24, he says that Paul says, I was unknown by faith to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. They had heard only that he which persecuted in times past now preaches the faith which he once destroyed. And they glorified God in me. Paul says, most of the people in the church, they don't know me by faith. They've never seen me. And the believers are like, amen. Thank you, Jesus. We've never seen you because to have seen Saul meant persecution. If they saw him, that, that was a bad thing. He says, Pe people never saw me. They don't know what it looked like. I didn't see him face to face. And, and, and he says, e even after people began, you know, after people began to, to hear about Saul had been saved, I'm, I'm sure they took that with a grain of salt. We, we know from, from the scriptures, Acts chapter 9, verse 26, says that when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they're all afraid of him and believe not that he was a disciple. They're like, yeah, right. Man, I mean, th this is the dude, pe people said, no, man, this is just some kind of trick. He's just trying to get into the church. He's just trying to find those that claim to be Christians so that he can persecute us. We're, we're not going to believe that. I mean, there, there are some that would have said, Saul, Saul of Tarsus saved. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like that's ever going to happen. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
You know, the devil told us that about us. Mercy ain't for you. Mercy don't count for you, but it did. Grace isn't for you, but it was. <laughs> Forgiveness doesn't have anything to you, but it does. But, but I'm sure that there were those that said, Saul, there, there's no way some, somebody like him could have gotten saved. Anybody say anything like that about you after you got saved? I did. I had some people said, yeah, right. We'll see how long that lasts. Well, I don't know. We're 30 some odd, eight years and counting. So we'll see how long it lasts. I don't know. I'm anxious to see myself. It's going to last until I leave here, but I just don't know how long that's going to be, right? Uh, imagine what they must have said about Paul, persecutor of the church. So, so this news came from, from Damascus. But, but see, here, here, here's what they said. He said there in verse 24, they glorified God in me. You know, they might not have believed the stories that they heard. And they might not have believed it when the Apostle Paul told them. But one thing you have to believe is change. Amen. Somebody wake up. One thing you have to believe is change. They could not deny that, that he changed. See, the time, the time will come when, when change can't be ignored. People have to admit that you're different. People have to admit that your vocabulary is different. The places you are on Friday and Saturday night is different. The place you are on Sunday and Wednesday night it is different. They, they can only deny for so long. They, they might have heard about what happened to Max. They're like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure it did. But, but as time passed by, the persecution stopped. What Paul was doing stopped. Dragging people out, stop. The, the, the persecutor was no longer the persecutor. He's become a preacher. He, he's no longer persecuting people, but, but he's preaching the gospel that he worked so hard to get rid of. He is speaking in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the name that he tried so hard to stamp out. He, he's preaching in that name. So it's not, it's not just the stories that that he got saved, it's the fact that the persecutor is no longer persecuting. See, in, in our lives, people, people could believe that we were saved or, or not. We know what happened in here. We know what happened, whether they did or not. And, and we know we were changed, whether they did or not. And like I said, the change in here was immediate. But the change here took a little while. But they can't deny what you were and what you are. That, that, that's, that's why our testimony is so important. That's why walking a godly life is so important. That's why it's not important that you show up at work in the morning and tell them you were at church on Wednesday night and tell them that they need to be here on Sunday morning and browbeat them with the book and get them scriptures. It's not important that you go tell them all this stuff and how they ought to live and what they're doing wrong. It's important that you live your whole life wholly in front of them. That's what matters. That's what we talked about last Sunday. They don't need to hear about God. They need to see God. They don't need to hear it from our lips and live some half-caught life that doesn't back up what we say. We don't have to talk if we just live it. That's what Paul did. Paul, Paul's certainly talking by all means. I mean, and thank God that he is. That's why we have the letters that we have. But, but the bottom line is he's, he's living the life. The one who was doing all he could to stamp out Christianity is now a Christian. How do they argue with that? Anybody have that in your life? 
So I, I, I'm just telling you, that, that, that's, that's the, if, there, if there is no change, I don't know how many times I've said it, but if there is no change on the outside, there's no reason to believe there's a change on the inside. The Holy Spirit cannot and will not move into your dirty vessel and let it keep living a dirty life. He cannot and will not move into that lost darkness and leave it lost darkness. If the Holy Spirit moves in on the inside, he's going to start changing some things on the inside that's going to show up on the outside. And regardless, somebody says they got saved or not. If they got to tell you that and you haven't seen any change, I'm sorry, I got to question that. Because the Holy Spirit's going to be some change. And that's, that's what you see. Saul went from persecutor Saul to preacher Paul. He, he went from, from murdering people, Saul, to telling people about Jesus, Paul. It, it made a, a, a big difference. So the same, the same is true in, in our life. You cannot deny change. You can't, anybody in here better than you were? Anybody here hope you better tomorrow than you were today? <laughs> it ain't going to be that hard, is it? <laughs> now, the best way to be better tomorrow than today is just don't drive anywhere. Just, 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 don't, just don't get around people out there that don't have driver's license. I don't know how they got automobiles. But, hey, the, 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 whole, the whole goal is, is to, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to try to be better than any of you. I don't, I don't have to try to be better than, than preachers. I don't have to try to be better than anybody else. I just have to try to be better than I was a few minutes ago. I, and and, and if, if I just strive to try to be better in the next five minutes than I was in the last five minutes, I'm going to stay pretty busy just trying to take care of me. But, but what will happen is if I, if I work on trying to, to be a, a better me, I do that by my alone time. I do that by my time going back and spending time alone with the Holy Spirit and reading this book. And then he begins to change me. When he begins to change me, people begin to see the change. Now I have a testimony that, that will change people's life. What Paul said is that they glorified God in me. It, Albert Barnes says that they glorified God in me. He says that means they praised God on my account. They regarded me as a true convert and a sincere Christian. And they praised God that he had converted such a persecutor and made him a preacher of the gospel. Now that's, that's what Albert Barnes says. Of, they glorified God in me. Well, I don't have time to go on here into chapter 2. He, he takes a big step. 14 years later, he returns back to Jerusalem. And Lord willing, we'll, we'll just pick up there next week in chapter 2. But, but the last thing that Paul said, said there in, in chapter 1, one of the last things is, is they, they glorified God in me. That, that means that they can see Christ in my life. They, they glorified God because of what they saw. It, it's, it's, not, it's not about the pat on the back. We're not trying to get people to tell us, well, you're doing so much better. I remember, hey, this has nothing to do with self. This is trying to get them to see Christ so that they glorify God. This isn't, a, hey, pat me on the back and tell me how much better I'm doing. This is look at what God has done. Look, look, at, look at the miracle here. You know what I was. He says they glorified God because of what they saw. See, that, that, that's what... I guess that's a question. That's going to be a good place for us to, 
to close. I know they're having fun factor and the kids will be having a ball, but the people that have them are going to be seriously expecting you to come get them in just a minute. Do others see Christ in our lives and glorify God because of what they see in us? That, that, that's what Paul's put. That's a really good question. I don't know how much better else to say it. So we'll just, just walk out and, and just do our best to let others see Christ in us. Amen. That's the best thing they'll ever see. Father, thank you so much, God, for being so good. Lord, I thank you for this letter, God, not to the church at Galatia, but this, this letter to Donald Yancey. This letter to, to Faith Baptist Church of LaGrange, Georgia, and to all the churches of today, God. It's, it's a letter addressed to the church at Galatia, but it's a, a letter given to the church, Father. I just want to tell you, thank you for the letter. Thank you for the teaching. Thank you for the instructions, God. Thank you, Father, for letting us see that, that what you did in Paul, you, you did in us. And Lord, I know Paul said he's the chiefest of sinners, and God, I guess if he said it and you wrote it, maybe he's right, but I couldn't be far behind him, Lord. I just thank you, God, that I don't have to look in anybody else's life to see mercy. I see it in mine. I thank you, Father. I truly do see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, God. Lord, I thank you that I look out in, in people, God, and all I see is the redeemed, the washed in the blood. I pray, Father, we'll walk out with each family represented in this place. Lord, I pray you put a hedge of protection about them. I pray you'd guide us, be with us, Lord. I pray you'd strengthen us. I pray you'd use our lives to be a walking, living testimony. I pray you'd help us to change LaGrange, Georgia, one soul at a time. God, I pray you'd help us, Father, to be a witness for you. We love you. You've been good to us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.